like, get us pumped up. I get, mean, I'm drinking get coffee. Get me pumped up. We're right at the, this is what I like to call the golden hour. Of, Sundays? Of productivity if you're going to have it. I honestly uh, yeah. believe that there is a is a is a moment in the day on the weekend when you either decide it's going to be an active day off where you do shit, or it's just a TV watching video game day. I'll be honest, that cutoff was coming in hot for me. Uh, I was watching HGTV, and let me tell you, I was starting to feel it. I was starting to feel the snuggle come on, the comfy come forward within comfy, myself comfy snuggles yeah i was feeling like you know what i could do i could take a little uh take a little little smoke break take a big long rip start working on uh some doodles and uh then i was like shit we gotta record speaking of which this is the cane train this is gibby cane and i'm pat cane we didn't quit quit emailing me asking if i quit i don't quit the show every week we get Thousands of emails asking us, "Where's the episode? Do uh, you care? Is your head still in the game? <laughs> What's going on?" And generally, know. you know, people wanting to know how our lives are going. And what I tell you know what I tell them every time? What? Go fuck yourself. Well, I would if they actually did contact. Nobody contacts us. We have no listeners. Um, yesterday, first day. Pat has ever been inside a weed store. I know, and I didn't break properly. in either. I'm not talking in the estuary. Legally this time. And not just in the estuary or like uh, waiting room. I'm talking about in the, in the Chiba domain. That's right. Recreational is now legal. And you, yes, you, if you're 21 and over, can go into just about any shop you can imagine and go well, purchase Well, not every shop. It sounds like you have to, they have to opt in to the, to the new program, right? Like you have to have a special license. It doesn't just apply to every weed store. Yeah, you do have to update your license and there's uh, certain shit you can't buy yet because those uh, companies haven't properly finished off their packaging to uh, change with the times. Recreational can only buy a certain amount of uh, weed. You can buy up to an ounce of flour per day. Mm-hmm. Which, Which I, I would have to say, you know, like, what are you, like, a fucking drug dealer? Like, calm down. Yeah, unless you're selling the weed. Like, That's insane. No, nobody should need more than one ounce per day. Like, you need to dry out, dude. Unless you're a cancer patient. Then you can do whatever you want. But it doesn't apply to them because they're medical. Exactly. Which still exists. Then you can still get eight ounces, I believe. Right. That's um, the one. Which is like, come on. That's, that should be enough. I gotta ask you, how do you feel? How was the experience for you? Um, I mean... Weed always had. It doesn't matter what the strain is. It doesn't matter how it's delivered to me. Other than, I mean, obviously different types of like if it's a dab or flower or a joint or a edible, mm-hmm. um, they hit in in varying degrees of like it's gonna lock me up in like a in my in my mind. Yeah. I just don't. I, people say like, "Oh, you just feel more alert, more awake." It just always makes me like not want to do shit. You're just a sleepy stoner. But I will say like, not having, if 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 you haven't slept, for whatever reason, stress or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing for me, 
Because if I'm stressed or paranoid, that doesn't go away. That actually gets worse on the weed. I think certain people have... Everybody's do, got different reactions. But you do physically get more relaxed, mm. and you are able to, if you are haven't been sleeping or if you're stressed about something, mm-hmm. it, is, it is easier to, like, sleep. Right. So, I, so I slept good. Um, and that that's, you know, I think it's medicine. I don't think it's a... It's not a recreational thing for me. I can't lay back and, like, hang out with weed or else... Right. I just won't be communicative. But I see it as like absolutely medicine that you that you take when you when you need it. You know what I mean? Does that I, make sense? I think it works in in wonderful ways depending on who you are and the setting. I think some people put a lot of pressure on it and those people oftentimes having like anxiety panic attacks when they when they smile, I know certain people like just won't do it because they did it for a long time and now they do it and they have like a panic attack when they're when they're smoking. Which I get. I don't really know what to tell them. I always think it's really odd that that's the reaction. It's yeah. hard, but it's hard for me from my perspective, which is I have uh, high anxiety. Um, I have a, uh, some medical things that kind of require me to have weed on hand, and I find myself. Uh, unable to understand that perspective because it's such an important part of my life. And I was talking to somebody that I work with recently about it, and they mentioned that um, they had anxiety in high school, and it was hard for them to be normal in, in like, a way or functioning. And they discovered weed. They became a total pothead. They were making... They were able to do, like, 4-0, straight A's, suddenly able to really like handle their lives, be able to enjoy the educational experience. And I completely understand that because that was me in college. And it's funny how that, that can really change your life just discovering it. And for certain people, they just, uh, I guess, grow out of it in a way. But uh, now I'm happy to say that everybody can access it. I know that a lot of the taxes have changed. I know that uh, it's more expensive now. It's got a lot of bullshit that's come along with it and a lot of silly, stupid rules. Like your bag has to be a specific kind of bag. That it's like a, secure, like a, like a security bag, but um, there's directions on how to open it, like if you don't know how to open it. So I guess if you're a true child, like a three-year-old kid, that doesn't know how to like understand picture language. I just don't understand why you would like even keep it in the house at that point. Like if you were, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, it's, you don't want kids doing it. It's obviously like an adult thing still. I believe. I mean, I was 14 when I had my first joint and I was fine. Well, it's different if a kid seeks it out on their own, but like to have it readily available, it, it makes sense to have it. You know, you have to you know, get an idea. I think an edibles ID, are. You have to be over twenty-one. Edibles are dangerous as fuck. Treat it like alcohol. That's, I don't. I totally agree with how yeah. California's. I don't agree, maybe with how they're breaking it down into like the packaging, but honestly, it's kind of like it's only inconvenient. Honestly, it's only inconvenient for med patients who are used to an, uh, an older system. But they also are on medical and have... I was able to walk into a store. They still have a lot of their options. Of I was able to, yeah, walk into a store, show my ID, went in, had a consultation with somebody. Mm-hmm. It was a professional setting, um, which was kind of awkward because they were like, well, you obviously don't know your dosage since you're a first-time rec patient, but what do you, you know, what are you into and all that stuff? Like, it was kind of that weird... Have you tried this? 
sort and obviously since like yeah. I, I know certain things about myself it was like I didn't want to I didn't want them to say I don't know like what they're allowed to say as an employee like if they're allowed as to talk about like prior legal use prior to legalization use oh they're professional I mean they I think they get it though we I felt, all I felt get awkward it. I felt awkward kind of talking about like well I've tried your chocolate before <laughs> so I know like or I've tried that before like don't worry I've gotten into my wife's stash yeah we what you know we asked about the mints because I like those yeah that's honestly the that's what I'm waiting for the that the company mints? Akiva to get their oh, shit together because like the mints are the best you take the t- yeah it's like Altoids you just pop one in and you ride it out and and this they're so low dosage that you just ride that you just have a pleasant time that's the most pleasant I've ever had where I'm actually like able to not be super paranoid or anxious mm-hmm. yeah on they're that nice stuff. they are incredibly nice and I do I that's my <clears throat> that's my favorite thing. Well, they're a higher dosage, but eventually you'll get used to the beans, like the... Yeah, I'm going to try, I think on maybe, uh, this week's busy, I have a lot of work. I want to try the coffee bean, chocolate coffee bean. Um, Why don't you just try it today? Sunday, what else do you got to do? I guess that's true. Uh, I could just try it today. I wouldn't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, I... I, I just th- have, I just don't want to be, like, not productive, you know what I mean? I'm sure you will be. Um, well, thank God... So glad the recreational is in effect. I think it's nice. I didn't vote for it, and uh, don't at me, but it's here anyways, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Well, the thing was, is like, medical was here. So if anybody's truly desperate for it, you, you just go to a doctor, you have a consultation with the doctor. I think it's, I think pretty much like a, a bunch of stuff is covered under it. So yeah, yeah, it was really easy to get my. But medical. it's incredibly easy now that it's you know. You yeah, just, you just walk in. You just walk in and um, you run errands, and it's just another errand now. It's kind of funny. It is. It's kind nice of not to have like sketchy scenarios where you're like are buying shit, and that's crazy to think that that was you know. That's gonna be a new, like history note, like a speakeasy, you know, speakeasies, like yeah, secret bars. Well, now you don't have to go to. Uh, you don't have to go to any uh, suburbs and hit up the kid on the skateboard anymore. You can just walk into a nice retail setting and have uh, a shop assistant help you decide which ones you want to purchase. It's Precisely. lovely. I go to Buds and Roses in Studio City. Give them a shout out because I think they're just a lovely shop and they have Iron great people Good that work there. Of stuff. Very very clean and, and nice little shop to go to. Uh, um, do you want to do some five second rule? Sure. All right, play the fi- uh, every week we play the five-second rule of the game where we barely follow the rules but use our cards all the same. Uh, let me get out the timer. All right, Pat, you got five seconds to... You didn't just flip it, did you? No. Oh. To name three unfounded beliefs. Um, Boy, you botched that. I don't that. know what that means. Yeah, you know, like... Uh, Christianity, flat earth, Gnosticism. See, the problem with all those things are unfounded beliefs. There are some, a belief is not necessarily based in fact, though. Uh, uh, paganism. I, I don't know, man. But some people would, I, I think that, I, I don't have anything for you. Next card. <sighs> I, I, I don't, I couldn't think of anything. No kidding. And I could argue against everything you just said. I don't know if. All right. Because uh, it's belief. Unfounded beliefs. 
I guess it's like the Holocaust didn't happen. What? I guess that would have been one. Ooh. Holocaust deniers. That's the only one I can think of. Well, I mean, the ship has sailed. It's over. You're not going to get the point. What are you going to do now? Fucking nothing. Um, Apartheid. Manifest Destiny. Those are, those are two. I guess those work. This is getting interesting where you're going with all of this. Believing in a... I, yeah. Those things are totally out of... Out of out of left field. Name three. Wait a minute. You don't think flat Earth is out of the left field? Like you don't think that's that completely for sure. ridiculous? That is for sure. Yeah. I mean, some might say the same thing about Christianity. Name three reasons to call in sick. Um, AIDS. Um, <laughs> cancer. I got two. <laughs> that was so extreme. What's going on with you? This, this one will be easier. How about this? Name three ways you deal with a hemorrhoid. Um, wipes, cream, squatty potty. Oh, wow. See, it's just got to be. All three have worked uh, wonders for me. Uh, the last one did not work for me. The last one actually made it actually become an issue for me. I didn't really have hemorrhoids before that. I think, I think maybe you're. Because yeah. I'm smaller than you? I don't know. It's all about making yourself real long and straight when you go to the bathroom. I mean, all you gotta do is just stand up straight. You don't have to like actually use a fucking some like, people. Stool you know, they t- some people tuck up and like curl up, and they think like that's getting it out, but actually that's making your that's that's it's just pinching. folding your intestine. It's yeah, folding. You want to get like long, straight back, legs straight out. You know, ninety degree angle, arch your back, kind of like you're squatting. You know, like weights, like if you're doing like a press. This is the uh, this is the segment where Pat tells you how to properly take a shit. Where we some talk, people don't fucking know. We talk about everything relating to poop. When I was a little kid, did I tell you like I would get so like I'd shit real hard and fa- I try to poop as fast as possible, and then I wouldn't wipe my ass. So my mom was always cleaning like shitty underwear. That's so gross. <laughs> Why would you put that on air? Why would you put that on public air, dude? That is gonna live with you forever. I'm gonna play that clip for you at your funeral. Everybody's gonna hear it. That's what they're gonna think about. My goal you. with this podcast is that some Jesus. some form of me will always go on between long after I'm gone. Between the This you, is my child. Between you talking about shitting as a kid to uh, Holocaust deniers, this has been already a complicated episode. Well, that's what happens when we do a five second roll like yeah, rapid com- fire round. It all really comes out, huh? I guess. Who wants to go first? I'll go first, because you always go first. Well, you know. All right, this is from TheVerge.com, not your um, not your grandma. Verge? The Verge. Verge. <laughs> um, Coinbase is radically overcharging some users and emptying their accounts. Ooh! So, you mean co- stealing money? Coinbase is the uh, crypto app that I currently use. Uh-huh. Um, so I will be, at the end of this episode, this was actually, I, I bookmarked this article and I've been watching my Coinbase account very carefully. Yeah, I would and, say you um, need to cancel that shit. I, uh, so as everybody knows, crypto was huge um, mid-January, no, early January, the ho- around the holiday season, crypto exploded. Bitcoin mm-hmm. got up to, you know, $19,000. Right. Ripple, I think, was the hugest one. That one fucking made people 
millionaires you know. Go back a few episodes in case you want to hear our information on Bitcoin. But that was me kind of like, that was me pie in the sky, like looking forward with my hand above my brow, like at this, at this, at the, uh, at the horizon, what it could be. And now I'm just kind of like, even though it may work out, this, this bug, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, with Coinbase is enough to make me close the account because I, I would say it's so. not worth opening, opening up, you know, my money to, uh, to, to make money. So, um, so I experimented with it, but I think it's a, I think it's about, I'm about done. Yeah. It sounds like it's about done with everybody. A growing number of Coinbase customers are complaining about that the cryptocurrency exchange withdrew unauthorized money out of their accounts. In some cases, this drained their link bank account to zero, resulting in overdraft charges. In a typical antidote posted on Reddit, one user said they purchased Bitcoin, Ether, and Litecoin for a total of $300 on February 9th. Oh, boy. A few days later, the transaction repeated five times for a total of $1,500, even though the user had not made any more purchases. That was enough to clear out this user's bank account, they said, resulting in fees. My bank account went from a very comfortable to negative balance, not to mention extra $5 charges and overdraft fees. The user wrote, as a result, my rent check bounced and my bank went further into negative for NS- NSF charge for $25. Oh my, God. my landlord is not a nice person, and in my case, I have nothing to offer him. I'm freaking out. Oh my God, that's so scary. Coinbase representatives have been responding to similar complaints on Reddit for about two weeks, but the volume of complaints seems to have spiked over the last 24 hours. Similar complaints have popped up on forums and Twitter. At the time of writing, the front page of r slash Coinbase subreddit mostly consisted of similar complaints. You drained my bank account, and now I have nothing. Calling for a class action lawsuit. What's going on? Should I be worried? Double charge? Withdrawals posted? What the fuck? Coinbase randomly took $100 out of my bank? Well, officially broke. Charged 17 times 1000 on my account. Wow. Damn. What the fuck? The issue started after a, ch- after a change occurred in the way of credit cards classifying digital currency transactions, according to a statement on Reddit. From Coinbase employee on February 4th, at the time, Coinbase was still trying to identify the issue. Users were asked to comment publicly on a thread with information about their double charges, including their bank and data and dates of transactions. The tactic immediately criticized for being a security risk. My God. This morning, February 15th, another Coinbase employee wrote on Reddit that the, quote, unexpected charges <clears throat> are originating outside of our control and are related to charges from previous purchases. The charges are in the process of being refunded, the employee wrote, although he did not say whether the resulting overdose charges would also be funded. Oh, my God. I'm going to bet not. Yeah, that's so scary and unfortunate. We- we are running joint investigations with all parties involved and will provide updates as we receive them, he wrote. Peter Kingry, a Coinbase user in Virginia, provided a screenshot of what he said were unauthorized charges to Coinbase, totaling 931 with an additional $7.45 in bank fees. I'm writing the Coinbase CEO, OCC, Barbara Comstock, my representative, and the governor of Virginia, he said in an email. Another Coinbase user Mike Baldsara provided a screenshot from his bank showing repeated transactions totaling nearly $300. Oh 
One charge was credited back to his account after 12 days. But then this account was hit with another phantom duplicate charge. This had not been refunded yet. Coinbase also did not refund him for overdraft charges he incurred. He said, yeah, that was uh, never going to happen. And he received form letters in response to the complaints he filed through customer service. Others had experienced greater losses, he said in an email, but he wanted to share his story. Quote, so, uh, so others like myself aren't caught off guard and left without money in their accounts. The problem appears to be legitimate charges are duplicated without authorization. And it appears specific banks, including Scotia uh, Bank and USAA, judging by user complaints. Today, I talked with my bank, uh, Scotia Bank, and the double charges I received from Coinbase on my Visa debit card, one Reddit user wrote. They said that this trend is going to be going for on for two weeks, and they are closely monitoring it. Coinbase, the San Francisco-based wallet and exchange startup that raised more than $225 million from venture capitalist investors, serves as the layman's introduction to volatile world of cryptocurrencies. I guess, yeah, that's the reason why I picked it. Wow. Many popular exchanges, such as uh, Binance, only allow users to trade between virtual currencies, which is Coinbase does not do. So you can't buy Bitcoin and buy like Ethereum, hmm. Ethereum or Litecoin. You have to pull money out of your bank account, which yeah. is why I hardly use it. I've right. only used it twice for small amounts of money. Yeah. Because I'm just like, well, I'm just seeing what this is worth. Mm-hmm. And, and going for the ride, but it is kind of weird that, like, I can't trade Bitcoin for Litecoin, like... Yeah, you would think that they would... You can on other exchanges and other... Like, you know what a wallet is, right? Yeah. So, like, a Bitcoin wallet is essentially where it's, like, your bank account. Yeah. But only Bitcoin. Right. So, this is... this is It's the easiest way to set it up, like, if you're, if you're just curious about it. That's wild. But, um... In any event... Um, but Coinbase is one of the few reputable shops that allow users to hook up their bank accounts and buy virtual currencies with fiat government-backed money, including the dollar, euro, and British pound sterling. Sorry, Chi-Chi's in the bag. <laughs> for that reason, it is the go-to site for purchasing cryptocurrencies. Google how to buy Bitcoin, and you'll get uh, a CNBC article explaining how to use Coinbase. However, the company is still new, and stories about disappearing account balances could damage its reputation. Joel Hurdle, a Coinbase customer who banks with Scotia Bank, was hit with two phantom charges for $100. The first was sent his bank account into a negative, resulted in a total of $144 in overdraft fees, he told The Verge. He opened five different support tickets with Coinbase, he said, and spoke to customer service twice. While the first $100 phantom charge was automatically refunded, the second $100 charge appeared at midnight last night. Quote, I go into it instantly, and sure enough, it's Coinbase taking money from my account yet again, he said. He said it is doubtful that Coinbase will refund his overdraft fees because his experience with customer servicing has been so poor. He cancels his debit card account, his debit card because he was afraid of being erroneously charged by Coinbase yet again. I don't trust them. To hold my money, that's for sure, he said. I'll probably never use their service again. Coinbase decided declined to comment on how many users were affected. <laughs> and the underlying problem of problem of the cause is or or what the underlying problem of problem is. 
And whether it will fund overdraft, they've brought this up so many times. And whether it will fund overdraft cheese resulting from its duplicate transactions, we are aware. Quote: We are aware of the issue and will be posting updates via Reddit, Twitter, and our company blog. A, spokes- a spokesman said in an email. Quote: We will be reaching out to affected users to resolve the issue as in- as required, as well as posting updates via social channels. This isn't the first time Coinbase has double charged its customers. The company had a similar issue in 2016. Jesus Christ. May of 2016. Two. The, if you didn't hear that, I, I said it. The company had a busy week. It temporarily halted PayPal withdrawals, disabled accepting new cards as a payment for U.S. customers, and released a new product for merchants called Coinbase Commerce. As the price of a Bitcoin hit $10,000 again after falling almost two months. So, yeah. Right. I checked Bitcoin uh, wow. before this article. Yeah. And um, it's sitting around t- like a little above 10 um, but I will be withdrawing my money and closing my Coinbase account and giving up on cryptocurrencies. And it sounds like um, everybody should also do the same thing. It sounds like some real bullshit going down. Well, if you're listening to Case File, that podcast, that is another interesting podcast about um, they're doing one on the Silk Road right now, which, as you know, is like where you can leave. It's like the best place to get illegal shit mm. like guns drugs all that mm-hmm. shit um but they talk about how bitcoin you know that that was kind of bitcoin's first big press was like on the use on the dark web well, of course it was for like illegal shit it's untraceable for way it was so I, I don't think it's ever entirely going to go away i think you know the internet has its own crypto like cur- form of currency right now mm-hmm. but i don't know if it'll if it'll go legitimate yeah, we'll see we'll and fucking it's not, see it's not worth fucking with these exchanges that are like super are super buggy, and and they've no ex, certain exchanges. I was listening to another podcast, Reply All. They did an episode called The Bitcoin Hunter. They were trying to find this woman made a Bitcoin wallet years ago. She mm-hmm. bought like sixty bitcoins. So she was like, she bought a lot of drugs with the sixty bitcoins. So she's like, well, I'm not sure how much I have left, but I don't know where my wallet is. So they were like tracking down her wallet and stuff. Um, it's crazy how much it's actually worth. Yeah. But it is super susceptible to hacking and people stealing it and right. fucking like it's not backed by anybody. It's it's backed by basically the community who who mines it and and you know values it. Well, it it was it was interesting thing. Kudos to the people who got in on it and became rich, but I'm out. I'm done. This article freaked me the fuck out. Well, yeah, that scares me. I mean, I don't spook super easily when it comes to like, you know, risk and stuff. But if you're, if you know, if I'm already taking a risk by giving you my money in the first place, <laughs> not knowing like legitimately, you know, gambling on how it's going to perform. Right. I don't want to also risk just the overall balance of my card, you know. Like yeah. my, my account. Your entire bank Thankfully, account. we didn't link it to our like joint account. Well, yeah, you and it was your foresight to say that that was. I was like, I'm just gonna to put do. it in this account because this account's like sep- It's a separate bank. It's separate everything from uh-huh. you know anything we do. Right. But fuck that, man. Yeah, I think everybody should pull out of that for sure because that's just not worth it. I don't think everybody's gonna pull out of it. I think it's gonna go back to maybe like where it was just you know uh-huh. used between. You know, not so reputable people. It's just going to go back to the drug market. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, 
from my article comes from Scientific American. And Pat, this is all dedicated to you because you're the one who fucking hates this. Uh, psychology reveals the comforts of the apocalypse. I love post-apocalyptic based shows. I but love storylines about the apocalypse. I love seeing our society you don't love Fallout. crumble. It's because I don't understand the gameplay. It just um, overwhelms it's me. It's literally like you're just living in the apocalypse, trying to survive. I don't dislike Fallout. You made that up in your head. I mean, but you don't like it enough to ever play it. I just haven't gotten around to it because I don't have any fucking time. Uh, Are you going to play it today? No, I don't have time. University of Minnesota neuroscientist Schmolisik. Excuse me? I mean, it is what it is. Who studies uh, the fear system believes that at its heart, the concept of doomsday evokes an innate and ancient bias in most mammals. The initial response to any hint of alarm is fear. This is the architecture in which we were built, Lissick says. Over evolutionary history, organisms with a better, safe-than-sorry approach survive. This mechanism has had consequences for both the body and brain, where the fast-acting ag- amygdala can activate a fearful stress response before higher corktal areas have a chance to assess the situation and respond more rationally or better known as shoot first, ask questions later. But who would have anyone enjoying kindling this fearful response? Lissick suspects that some apocalyptic believers find the idea that the end is nigh to might be validating. Individuals with a history of traumatic experiences, for example, may be fatalistic. For these people, finding a group of like-minded fatalists is reassuring. There may also be comfort in being able to attribute doom to some larger cosmic order, such as an ancient Mayan prophecy. We all remember that. This kind of mythology. Oh man, yeah. Remember when that didn't Everybody happen? Everybody was obsessed with that. This kind of mythology removes any sense of individual responsibility. There's an even broader allure to knowing the precise end date. Apocalyptic beliefs make existential threats. The fear of our mortality predictable. Lissick says. Lissick, in collaboration with the National Institute of Mental Health neuroscientist Christian Grillon and colleagues, has found that when an unpleasant or painful experience, such as an electric shock, is predictable, we relax. The anxiety produced by uncertainty is gone. Mm. Ugh, me at my job. Knowing when the end will come doesn't appeal equally to everyone, of course, but for many of us, it is paradoxically a reason to stop worrying. Beyond the universal aspects of fear and our survival response to it, certain personality traits may make individuals more susceptible to believing it's the end of the world. Social psychologist Karen Douglas at the University of Kent studies conspiracy theorists and suspects that her study subjects, in some cases, share attributes with those who believe in an impending apocalypse. She points out that although there are essentially two different phenomena, certain apocalyptic beliefs are also at the heart of conspiracy theories. For example, the belief that government agencies know about an impending disaster and are intentionally hiding this fact to prevent panic. One trait I see linking the two is the feeling of powerlessness, often connected to a mistrust in authority, Douglas says. Among conspiracy theorists, these convictions of mistrust and impotence make their conspiracies more precious and real. People feel like they have knowledge that others do not. 
relatively few studies exist on the individuals who start to propagate these theories. Douglas points out that research into psychology of persuasion has found that those who believe most are also the most motivated to broadcast their beliefs. In the internet age, it, that's, easy feat. that's an easier feat than it has ever been before. Stephen Schlossman, boy, the name's here, drawing both from his experiences as a Harvard Medical School's child psychiatrist and novelist, his first book recounts a zombie apocalypse, believes it's the post-apocalyptic landscape that fascinates people the most. I talk to kids in my practice, and they see it as a good thing. They say life would be so simple. I'd shoot some zombies, wouldn't have to go to school. Schlossman says, that's cute. In both literature and in speaking with patients, Slajman has noticed that people frequently romanticize the end times. They imagine surviving, thriving, and going back to nature. Slajman recently had an experience that eerily echoed Orson Welles' 1938 The World of the Wars. World, War, War God, of the Worlds? Sorry, I just, like, fell asleep halfway through saying World that. World of the Wars. <laughs> the War of the Worlds broadcast. He is discussing his book on a radio program, and they had to cut the show short when listeners misconstrued his fiction for fact. He believes the propensity for panic is not co constant in theory, but instead reflects the times. In today's complicated world with terrorism, war, fiscal cliffs, and climate change, people are primed for panic. All of this uncertainty and all of this fear comes together, and people think, well, maybe life would be better after a disaster, Sloshman says. Of course, in truth, most of their post-apocalyptic dreams are just fantasies that ignore the real hardships of pioneer life and yeah. crumbling infrastructure. He points out that, if anything, tales of the apocalypse, particularly involving zombies, should ideally teach us something about the world we should avoid and how to make necessary changes now. December 21st, at this time, this article came out, it's 2016, according to a much-hyped misreading of the Mayan calendar, will mark the end of the world, it's not the first end is nigh proclamation, and it's unlikely to be the last. That's because deep down, for various reasons, there's something appealing, at least for some of us, about the end of the world. There was a, um, in 2011, there was a guy that, he was one of these pastors that or evangelist, whatever, cult leader, mm. Christian cult leaders that was like talking about the Bible says it's going to end July something, 2011. I can't remember what it was. But he had put, I was living in New York at the time and there was posters everywhere. And people weren't like scared, but there were people hyping up. It was like a Saturday and I was hanging out with my roommate and we were chilling, just walking around the city together. Yeah. And she was like, you want to go in this bar? Because the world's supposed to end in five minutes, and I'm like, sure. But <laughs> and and the bar itself was like, quick, get in before the world ends. Like everybody is making fun of it almost. But it's like this, you know, it's bringing off our fears, but it's also kind of like. It's entertaining. It's an it's entertainment weird. It's now. Weird how it's entertainment until it's not, you know. Well, you could thank Orson Welles, I think, a little bit for that because it made it confusing for people. But and it... the pre there's always been apocalyptic, you know like proclamations being made i think ever since like the first natural disaster like with cavemen i'm sure there was like yeah well ever since there was a higher a power created yeah. looking for a reason and explanation why bad things happen well the reason why the floods are is because there weren't enough sacrifices of virgins made so right <laughs> yeah no i see what you're saying i love it though because i love the idea of no longer having our society and the bullshit that it is and however it would be quite a lot to go through 
especially being as blind as I am. I would for sure. Once I lose my glasses, I'm dying pretty quick. Yeah, I mean... But I love the concept of it. It's not good. You get, like, a hangnail, like in that Fear the Walking Dead show that you were watching. It was like, well, a hangnail could take you out. Like, she said it jokingly, but it's like... She's like, well, all you need is a little infection and you're dead. Yeah, I know. And it's true. I was thinking about it when I went running. So I went running Friday and Mm. I ran for six miles. Because I I was like, we had a rough phone call with uh, our insurance company that morning. And I was just in a bad mood. Right. And I, and I just needed to, like, get out physically and just, like, get sweat out some of, some of this aggression I was feeling. And I, and I like, ran six miles, and I was like, oh, that felt good. And then my feet were – they were just covered in blisters. <laughs> and I was like, man. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, I'm glad, like, we have – and I was cleaning them, you know, with hydrogen peroxide and stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm real glad we have this stuff. But, like, if the world was over and there wasn't a company making hydrogen peroxide, like, anymore, like, yeah. this shit has an expiration date on it. Mm. Like, there's going to be one day where all the medicine that, you know, we can scavenge and stuff will expire. And uh, Even gasoline expires. You'd get an infected hair could take you out. Gasoline, canned food, everything expires at some point. There would come a time where cars would no longer be an option. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But my favorite part of any apocalypse story is the transformation of it becoming the apocalypse. That's my favorite part. I think it's the most exciting because it's watching this huge transition. Or I guess degression. I love it, though. Um, Yeah, it'd be a degression. (laughs) For sure, we would not be. It would be a new dark ages. I mean, that's what we're talking about, essentially. And I, I can't fucking wait. Rome goes away. We'll what figure would, it the out. New, there's no centralized like um, Roman Empire anymore. I guess now it would just be kind of like if we got hit with an EMP, like a huge EMP that took out all the technology. You mean the solar flare? Yeah, or something. That's I was what thinking, I'm looking like, for. Just like if, if, you know, some comet passed over us that had, yeah. like, a really strong magnet. It's been, uh, it's been a few hundred years since Took the last. Took out all of our satellites, all of our tech, all of, man, there, it would be crazy. Yeah. But it's like, you wouldn't be able to launch, you would, the surveillance state would go away. You wouldn't be able to launch weapons of mass destruction. Like, you, I mean, you'd have to deal with, you'd have to deal with what you're surrounded by. So we live in Los Angeles, so we'd have to deal with, like, roaming gangs of, like, teenagers with like guns <laughs> i guess well i mean i would be more worried about the cops in that scenario because i think they would be the ones who would hold themselves oh, the up LAPD. with all the resources they'd be like the gunners i think they'd be the gangs and then like mexican teenagers would be like the raiders yeah kind of or if you <laughs> listen to the, if you listen to the podcast breakers that's been a really interesting uh take on uh, a kind of disease that comes in and, and wipes out civilization it's really interesting concept and it it breaks these society uh this society into into many factions and there's survivors and there's the diseased who are about to die and spreading their disease with them and then you have uh the gunmen who are kind of just wreaking havoc everywhere and then there's a ent- huge cult that comes in that has kind of a similar uh is is a similar kind of uh as like the gunman it's it's fun though it's a really good podcast i highly recommend it and he has a dog and the dog is great and i think to myself god i wish i had a dog instead of a cat who would take care of me in that kind of environment but um here we are 
I got, oh, a, you got a dumb cat in the bag over there. Got a useless cat who just hides in that bag over there. All right. Next article. A woman found 14 worms hiding in her left eye after it got red and scratchy. Blech. Showing a new species is capable of infecting humans. Ugh. Abby Beckley, 28, of Oregon, was the first known human to be effect, infected with Thesaria gluosa, a parasite that typically infects cattle. Hmm. The idea of worms crawling out of the human eye is so horrific that the F- that when FX used such an image on billboards to promote the strain, it had to take them down because passerbys found them too disturbing. I was going to say, the strain, that's exactly like the strain. For Abby Beckley, an Oregon resident, the situation was all too real. Beckley realized something was wrong in the summer of 2016 when working on a salmon fishing boat in Alaska, something was making her eye feel scratchy and ir- irritated. After a week of irritation, she thought it may be caused by a stray eyelash. (laughs) Beckley was so close to the mirror that she found the real culprit. What she pulled out was a wriggling, translucent worm about half an inch long, and it wasn't the only one in her eye. Local urgent care clinics and an eye doctor couldn't figure out what was wrong, though they removed another four worms from her left eye. Beckley flew home to Oregon to meet with doctors at Oregon Health and Science University Center University's Emergency Department. Soon she was able to feel the worm's movement and alert the doctors, who were astounded by what they had saw. When planned a call, they planned a call among physicians on infectious disease hotline. Aaron Borna. An assistant professor at OHSU School of Medicine who helped write a new report describing Beckley's eyeworm infection said doctors on call were mystified. Quote, the patient has worms coming out of her eye, Borana recalled hearing. They're practically coming out of her ears. What are we going to do? Up to her eyes and worms. The team at OHSU sent a sample to the Centers for, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Because Beckley was able to pull the worms out of her eye better than the doctors were, she continued to remove the worms from her eye for the next few weeks. What a badass. A news release from the university says, Doctors assuaged some of her fears when they uh, told her the worms would remain on the surface of her eye and not tunnel through to her brain. Oh, good. (laughs) Quote, "I I was really thankful to be linked up with Dr. Borna, Beckley said, according to the OHSU news release. Dr. Borna was so willing to just talk with me and really empathetic to what I was going through as a person who had to deal with this thing in her eye. Solving a medical mystery. At the CDC, ongoing detective work has revealed something surprising. There have only been a handful of eye worm infections in humans in the U.S. All of these by Thesilia californiensis. Californiensis. But the worms in Beckley eye were from a species, Thelesia gluos. Gluosa, and had not been known to infect humans. The worms typically infect cattle when flies carrying them land on to feed on tears. <laughs> I'm the fly who feeds on tears. Jesus. The case reports says that Doctor think, thinks Beckley may have been infected by a fly that landed on her eye while she was riding horses or fishing near a region on Oreg- of Oregon when cattle farming where cattle farming occurs. Huh. Okay. Previously, it was thought that there were only two different species of these eye worms that infected humans worldwide. Richard Bradbury, the lead author of the study who works at the CDC's Division of Parasitic Diseases and Malaria, said in a separate news release. 
Now we're going to have to add Thazaria gluosa, a third one, to the list. And all 14 worms were pulled from Beckley's eye, the last one August 30th, 2016. She told the Post she wanted people to know that the rare and scary situation was. Everything got resolved in the end. Unlike most animals that eye worms can affect, people can remove them. So cases don't usually end up with serious damage, Bradbury says. And in some cases, antiparasitic medications can help. Still, eye worms can stretch the cornea and cause vision problems in some cases, though not in Beckley's. Infections from the the Lazia worms most happen in animals, and humans are just incidental hosts, Barna said. This is incredibly interesting, and I'm sure it might make some people squeamish, but it's not something people should really worry about. Oh my god, that's so scary. That is so scary. Can you imagine just being like, woo, just waking up, oh, there's another worm, gotta pull it out again. I wonder how long there's this like is gonna picture, go. There's like a picture of her eye with a worm in it, but I can't, it's kind of like, where's Waldo? Like, where's the worm? God, good. She's fucking strong, though. I would be freaking out. I can just imagine, babe, you and what your reaction would be. It would be so Oh, I think every time I have a loose bowel movement, I have worms. (laughs) Dark passengers. Yeah, man. Boy, that is gross. Ooh, God, it does does make you think of a strain, though. That's a great show. (laughs) Kind of. I like that they call them uh, segoys in that show. That's cool. It's a cool show. It is a cool show. It's it's got its ups and downs. I remember loving the loving the premiere because Guillermo del Toro directed it. I'm like, this is going to be my new favorite show. It just gets a little bit boring. It just gets kind of. You know what the downfall is to that show? The downfall is having uh, a teenager in the mix. That's the problem. That kid is a total wimp and. Oh, that fucking boner! That's like, I want to be with mom. I want to be with dad. I'm so mad. I'm gonna blow up the whole city of New York. Yeah, fuck the strain, dude. Yeah, he's um, he's a fucking pussy ass. Um, He's a pussy ass. Yeah, they really ruined. They did the show a disservice by having that character in in it. That's what I think. I know. The rest of it though is really solid. In fact, if they just had fucking killed off that kid, ooh, it'd be a good one. Um. Well, I have another article. I got another couple articles. I think this one's a little bit shorter, and then I got another one that's a little bit shorter. So. Um, All right, well, go, go for it, then we'll, we'll assess after how much time we got left. Well, I wanted to talk about this past week, Valentine's Day. First of all, I hope everybody got laid. Valentine's Day. And at least, if you didn't, got a good meal out of it. Just uh, hoping you had a nice time. Just um, hoping you had a good time, even if you were just alone. Even if you were alone, especially if you were alone, I'm sure you had a really nice time. Yeah, man, you probably watched whatever movies you wanted to watch. Ate whatever you, you wanted, wanted to eat. eat. And you probably jacked, jacked off. off. <laughs> All right, uh, so I want to talk about a uh, more metal side of Valentine's Day. The dark origins of Valentine's Day. This article comes from NPR. Valentine's Day is a time to celebrate romance and love and kissy-faced fealty. But the origins of this festival of candy and cupids are actually dark, bloody, and a bit muddled. Though no one has pinpointed the exact origin of the holiday, one good place to start is ancient Rome, where men hit on women by, well, hitting them. From February 13th to the 15th, the Romans celebrated the feast of Lupercilia. 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 Lupercalia? Is it Lupercilia? Let me see the word. It's, uh. Let's see. 
L-U-P-E-R-C-A-L-I-A. I think you're good with whatever pronunciation you want to go with. Ah, fuck it. The men sacrificed a goat and a dog, then whipped women with the hides of the animals they had just slain. Hell yeah, dude. The women, sorry, the Roman romantics were drunk and they were naked, says Noel Linsky, a historian at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Young women would actually line up for the men to hit them, Linsky says. Good way. You'd argue that Tinder might also still fall into some of those practices. They believed this would make them fertile weird. The brutal feat included a matchmaking lottery in which young men drew the names of women from a jar. The couple would be then coupled up during the festival or longer, if the match was right. The ancient Romans may also be responsible for the name of our modern day of love. Emperor Claudius II executed two men, both named Valentine, on February 14th of different years in the 3rd century AD. Yeah, St. Valentine. Their martyrdom was honored by the Catholic Church with the celebration of St. Valentine's Day. Later, Pope Galatius uh, I muddled things in the 5th century by combining St. Valentine's Day with, there it is again, Lupercalia, (laughs) I hope I'm butchering that, to expel the pagan rituals. But the festival was more of a theatrical interpretation of what it had once been, Lenski adds. It was a little more of a drunken revel, but the Christians put clothes back on during it. That didn't stop them. That didn't stop it from being the day of fertility and love, I guess. Around the same time, the Normans, the Romans, I think that's a typo. <laughs> the Romans celebrated Galatian, Galatian Day. Galatian meant lover of women. That was likely confused with St. Valentine's Day at some point, in part because they sounded alike. As the years went by, the holidays grew sweeter. Chaucer and Shakespeare romanticized it in their work, and it gained popularity throughout Britain and the rest of Europe. Handmade paper cards became the tokens du jour in the Middle Ages. Eventually, the tradition made its way to the New World. The Industrial Revolution ushered in factory-made cards in the 19th century. And in 1913, Hallmark Cars of Kansas City, Missouri, became mass-producing Valentines. February has not been the same since. Today, the holiday is big business. According to the market research firm IBIS World, Valentine's Day sales reached $17.6 billion last year. This year's sales are expected to total $18.6 billion. But that commercialization has spoiled the day for many. Helen Fisher, a sociologist at Rutgers University, says we have only ourselves to blame. This isn't a command performance, she says. If people don't want to buy Hallmark cards, they would not be bought, and Hallmark would go out of business. And so the celebration, I think it would take a lot more than that to put them out of business, but okay, Helen. And Hallmark so, has like its own TV. They're, they're, they're diversifying. I think they're going to be okay. And so the celebration of Valentine's Day goes on in varied ways. Many will break the bank buying jewelry and flowers for their beloveds. Others will celebrate in an SAD, that single awareness day, dining alone and bringing on self-gifted chocolates. A few may even be spending this day in the same way the early Romans did, but let's not go there. Creepy. Good article at BR. Oh, man. Uh, I love Valentine's Day. I never heard of that that holiday. I never used to love Valentine's Day. I always thought it was bullshit, but that's just because I was single and disappointed. Just like anybody else who doesn't like it. Um... 
can I read my last one? Yeah, I think we're, yeah, you got time. All right, uh, this last article uh, comes from MyNBC5. Wilmington, New York, a skier goes missing from Whiteface Mountain, has been found in California. New York State Police and oh, Constantino's Danny Philippides, 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 49 of Toronto, was found 2,900 miles away from OA Tuesday in Sacramento. Somehow, this motherfucker got all the way from New York to Cali. But he didn't take a plane? But he doesn't remember any of it. Homie was wow. reported missing last Wednesday by friends who said he could not be found as the resort was closing. His belongings were found at the lodge, and his car was still in the parking lot. Since then, hundreds of volunteers have spent about 7,000 hours combing the mountain. Crews used canines and helicopters as part of the search. The steep and icy terrain made the search even more challenging. Philippides made contact with law enforcement officers in Sacramento. He was reported to be in good health. The circumstances of his disappearance remain under investigation. Officials have not said why he went missing. Before Tuesday, police said he had, they had no reason to believe that he was not in the mountain. The Department of Homeland Security, New York State Police, New York Department of Conservation, United States Customs and Border Protection, and officials in Toronto assisted with the search. Philippides is a father of two, married, and has a 28-year veteran. Is a 28-year veteran Toronto firefighter. He has been skiing with a group of firefighters and retired firefighters. Toronto Professional Firefighters Local 3008. I don't know what the fuck that is. 3888. Uh, President Frank Romango answered reporters' questions Tuesday evening. He said Philippides was found confused and unable to answer questions as to how he got to California. That's weird. He said he was receiving medical care after calling his wife and then 911. He was found alone, and he did not have a history of mental illness or substance abuse. He says he was found wearing the same ski gear, uh, including a helmet and goggles, and he was last seen in when he was reported missing. Dude, what the fuck? State police did not say if he would be facing criminal charges. Officials have not said how he traveled to Sacramento, and... So they know or don't know? He did not fly because he left his identification at Whiteface. The state has not said how much uh, the search has cost, and a press conference was scheduled. More information was being expected to be released. I have an update on that case. It turns out he not only managed to get his way there using uh, apparently a trucker, he has no memory of it, but there's rumor to have been a uh, head injury involved. Yeah. And... Yeah, no shit, right? He got, for some reason, a haircut along the way. Like, when he got there, he got a haircut. Whoa. Right? The fuck, I And they said they're not pressing charges because I think it was just, like, a fucking, like, a what the fuck moment, for sure. My thing is... Block Walter White Fuse State. I fucking wonder, though. Like, just saying, this is a good opportunity for an alien invasion to come in as as an answer. I don't happened. think that that's the case. I think he was, that's what I was hoping he probably for. Got, a, got a hurt his head and like wandered. Somehow he just like walked into maybe he walked away from the parking lot, took the highway, and then just popped in a car with a trucker. And he's like the entire time dressed like a skier. Yeah, it's he, bizarre. And he's like taking me to Sacramento for some reason. Yeah, man. Bizarre. That's really really up. bizarre. Um, but I thought that was a delight, and I I wanted to share that one. Up. It is on Twitter. It's like as it updates, it gets more and more weird. I love it. 
Yeah, man. Um, nothing, nothing crazy on the astrology point, by the way. There's like not a lot going on. It just there's no full moons in February, um, but there is, however, an eclipse apparently. Um, so watch out for that. So yeah, I guess it's the year of the dog now. It's the Chinese New Year. So if I guess. Uh, that means the Earth dog, it's the Earth dog, um, has no patience for demagogues and tyrannical self-interest. So don't be surprised if upheavals within the system occur in the coming months, which I think is a reach, astrology.com. And it sounds like somebody is putting their own agenda in there, but all right. Crazy. Yeah. Fun. Fun, fun. So a lot going on this week, and uh, we didn't get political. Good for us. World's too political. So we gotta have something that just is about escapism. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard every day to for it to be, uh, you know, to not be political. Yeah. So any any time you can uh, just remember, we're not here forever, and um, these problems will probably persist that we're dealing with long after we're gone. So oh. just enjoy the day. Oh, that's a really nice and pleasant way to end the uh, episode, Pat. That was so, uh, that was so nice. I think everybody feels this obligation to solve things, and it's like... Don't be a hero, you know? Do what you can, but don't... Try not to, like... Let it ruin your, let it ruin your life. Because it can. Yeah, totally. It. I mean, if you just sit there on Twitter long enough, it can definitely ruin your day. I'm just telling you. You're not going it, to... It's like, you may do everything you can, but... You're only, you're only one person, so enjoy your enjoy your week. Enjoy your day. Hopefully we'll have a new episode next week. Um, I don't think there's anything getting in the way of that. No, I can't of think right of anything. Um, so, um, life, is like, uh, life is like a box of chocolates. Don't, no, life, don't do it. Did you know, did I talk about the Forrest Gump sequel with him going to space with a monkey? No. Look it up. The guy capitalized. I think I talked. I th- did I talk about this on this podcast? Or maybe I, I really don't remember this. I'm, I'm making a new podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. You should plug your uh, new pod. doesn't exist yet, but we're in the middle of making it. I'm trying to bank some episodes. All right. Shit. Well, it uh, may be happening. Who knows? I don't know when it's coming out. I'm just, I, I, it's weird. Like, now I'm sitting down recording two things, and I'm, I'm like. Oh, you can't remember? I can't remember if I <laughs> talked about it already. Or if I haven't, I'm gonna. I gotta be really careful. Yeah, you do. You gotta start keeping better track. It's a of different. What it's through. a different tone. If you're ever here for a recording with me and me and uh, Ian, it's a different tone of show. So there's not gonna be a whole lot of overlap. But with some like you know incidental stories, there might be. There's a show coming soon, but Pat's not willing to talk about it except sort of, kind of. Uh, I'm making a new show. That's all I'm gonna say for now. Follow. Uh, follow us on Came Train Pod and pretty much most shit. I think if you just search, I'm going to just tell you just to search fucking Cane Train. Like, what else is there Cane Train, come search up? it, yeah. There's no, no, nothing else is going to fucking come up. If, if, there's, it, if a podcast shows up, Cane Train, it's ours. I'm going to be honest. And if you have an issue with listening to the recording this week on Stitcher or some other app, just go to the fucking website. Go on Gutter Trash. Like, it's going to be, you can still listen to it in access. Yeah, Cane Train at Gutter Trash. Um, Twitter, Cane Train Podcast, and Instagram, Cane Train Pod. And follow me, Gibby Kane, on everything across the board except Facebook. Fuck that shit. And uh, bat stains for Pat Kane's. Uh, I guess that's it. All right. Girl See bye. you next week. See Girl you next bye. week. See you next week. Girl bye. I can't be in love in this plastic.